Hello, and welcome to the Millennial Nutritionist Podcast. I'm Isla Garcia, Master's Degree of Nutrition Science and Registered Dietitian, and I'm going to make weight loss realistic, sustainable, and uncomplicated for your busy lifestyle. On this podcast, me and my team of registered dietitians will decipher the latest nutrition research, dissect fad diets, and discuss social media trends for you so you can feel confident knowing what to eat to achieve your health goals. Research suggests that most weight loss programs aren't successful, but my experience has taught me that this is not because the participants aren't committed. It's because those diets are designed by non-nutrition professionals and center around severe restrictions. We are here to provide the facts about the science of weight loss so you can have the success you want and continue living your best life. Hey, it's Isla. Do you feel like you have every intention to get in that evening walk, but your work gets in the way? To end our month of springing into healthy habits, I'm interviewing a work stress and burnout prevention specialist, Nina Desdali, Desdali, sorry, I forgot to ask how to pronounce it, but she's from Workplace Clarity. I initially saw her videos on TikTok and found them very helpful for my personal workplace stress, so I wanted you to listen to her as well on today's podcast episode. As our millennial generation is settling into the work life, it can be difficult to create those necessary work boundaries so that we can maintain our other health habits. It can be great to set goals to go to the gym and have a healthy recipe on hand to make for dinner. But there's no point in having that plan if you don't have the time or the energy because you're burnt out from work. Nina draws on her interdisciplinary background in organizational behavior and neuroscience to examine work-related stress from both management and physiological perspectives. She is an experienced and engaging speaker and provides work stress, burnout prevention, and resilience training for nonprofit small businesses, MBA students, and previously worked as a workshop facilitator for Apple. Today, she's going to help you identify if you're having workplace burnout and provide some practical tips so you can develop healthy occupational habits that make your non-work health habits easier as well. Side note that it's the last day to post the healthy habit that you've been working on for May over on Millennial Living. If you complete the monthly challenge, you'll be entered to win a $25 gift card to the place of your choosing. And there aren't that many entries, so the odds are in your favor that you'll win the gift card. Make sure to sign up with the link in the show notes or description if you're on YouTube and take advantage of next month's wellness challenge if you're too late on this one. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Nina. How are you? Good. Yourself? I am great. Where actually are you located? Because I don't think I know. So I am based in Ottawa, Canada, but I'm currently in Montreal. Oh, I guess I had no idea that you're from Canada. It's crazy like how, I don't know, I guess I just assume everybody's in the U.S. that I find on TikTok unless they have an accent. I forget about y'all Canadians. Um, well, to kind of get things started, I want to intro you a little bit. So can you tell us about like your specific career? How did you get into it? Why did you pursue it? What do you like about it? Sure. So I am a work stress and burnout prevention consultant, speaker, and researcher. I got into this through a combination of my interests really coming together. So I have a background in neuroscience. That's what I did my bachelor's degree in. And a neuroscience degree is heavily focused on stress because stress interacts with so many of the systems in our body. And I did my master's in management. So I started learning about work applications of stress and burnout prevention and became really interested in how we can take what we know about stress and well-being from neuroscience and apply it to management and workplace settings. 
and I also used to be a workshop facilitator for Apple. So when I graduated from my master's degree in 2021, which was in the midst of the pandemic and the word burnout was really having its time to shine, I thought, wow, this is something I have a lot of expertise in and I have this background in workshop facilitation. It's something I love to do. Why not start offering workshops, training and consulting services on these topics? So I've been doing this for about a year and a half now. I work with primarily with organizations doing speaking and training and workshops for them. And I absolutely, absolutely love it. That's amazing. So do you go down to like Silicon Valley or is it like remote? I do a lot of remote work because I started during 2021. So it's really only been in the last few months that I've been traveling a lot more. I was recently in uh, Las Vegas and Philadelphia. So I'm sure I'll make it to the West Coast uh, or Silicon Valley at some point. Yeah, I know. That's so cool. My brother-in-law actually works for Apple. So I'll have to ask him if he like sees you or to tune into any of your talks. Oh, I haven't worked for Apple since 2019. Oh, gotcha. I was a workshop facilitator at one of the retail stores. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, okay. Well, that's so cool. Yeah, I think it's such a useful topic, which is why I wanted you to get on the podcast because I see a lot of interactions definitely with like people who prioritize work over like health habits and I'm sure we'll kind of get into it. Um, But I always like to ask kind of like, do you have any client successes recently? Or I know you more so do like workshops. So like, I guess, could you answer it? Like, do you hear any like success stories or anything like that from your work? Yes. So when I work with organizations, sometimes I do like keynote and speeches, but I also have a workshop series for organizations that I offer. So we do several workshops over the course of a month. And that's really fun because it means that every time I go in, I get to see how people are applying the strategies that they learned last time. So it is things as simple as someone coming back to the next workshop. And this was a recent one announcing they are now taking their lunch breaks. They are no longer eating at their desk to another organization who recently realized that one of their departments, the way that their billable hours were structured, were preventing their teams from taking breaks throughout Mm -hmm. the day. So they've been working together with their management teams and their executive teams to look at ways to restructure that so that people can have more opportunities to recharge throughout the day, not only at the end of the day. Wow, that's awesome. I know we have like such a, I feel like America is like probably one of the worst for like work-life balance. Like, do you feel like in Canada, it's also a problem? Like, is it just a problem all over the globe at this point? It is still an issue in Canada and other places in the globe, particularly from what I see the United Kingdom. It is a little bit better in Canada than the United States, though. Gotcha, gotcha. (laughs) Partly, yeah, we have a little bit less, I think, life stress uh, in terms of our world events, our politics, our healthcare system. So we also, our labor laws are a little bit different. So there are some policies that protect Canadian workers a little bit more than American workers. Interesting. Okay. Um, And then the last kind of like intro question, any new foods or wellness habits that you are currently active in that you would like to share to inspire others? I am really excited actually, because I'm in Montreal for the summer. I'm taking a course here and they have uh, Bixie bikes. So they're a rental bike. And so as of a couple of days ago, I purchased my membership. So I get to do my whole summer commute biking to and from Uh, the department for the course I'm taking. Wow, that is awesome. So so how how far is that for you? 
Uh, it's only about a 20 minute ride, but it's a really nice way to start the day going to and from a course. And the city is absolutely beautiful. They have bike lanes set up everywhere. So it's really cycle commute friendly. Great, great. Yeah, I think cycling is not a thing. Another thing in America, we don't do enough of I'm trying to cycle more too. I live like in this beautiful greenway with like a lot of things that are closed. I'm like, I just need to do it. It's just so hard if you're like the only one. Yeah, it's nice to have it as a commute because yeah. I used to, I actually used to bike competitively. I was a competitive cyclist. Oh, okay. So when I was training for races, I had, you know, the the willpower of willpower in droves. Yeah. And I could just make myself be on the bike and train for two to four hours at a time. But now I don't really have much interest in biking alone for hours on end. So it's really mm -hmm. nice to use it as a commute instead. Yeah, great, great. Yeah. Any way that we can kind of get active in a way that's like built into our environment is something that I tell clients is like really helpful and more likely to do it. Exactly. So this month, we're talking all about the health habits you should and shouldn't be adding to your spring health regimen and adding more produce should for sure be a health habit that you add in. I know that one difficult part about adding in produce is constantly being busy. So I have a solution for you. It is bada bean, bada boom, crunchy broad bean snacks. They are roasted broad beans and come in flavors, including sweet onion and garlic, mesquite barbecue, and zesty ranch. These are for sure the millennial nutritionist approved because they're only 100 calories while containing six grams of protein and four grams of fiber because they're a bean. Plus they're actual produce and not like a powder or some, some sort of manufactured fruit product. It's really just a bean that's been roasted, flavored, and put in a snack bag. My favorite thing about them is that they're a produce item that you don't have to keep cold, so they're really portable. You could put them in your car, you could put them in your pocketbook for those times when you either forget to have produce or you're out and about and you don't know where to get it. Um, one real life example is my mom came to visit me re recently and we did some sightseeing around the big city of Dallas. So I knew we would need some produce items throughout the day or it probably just wouldn't get eaten. So I packed some of these bean snacks. Both she and my mom thought that they were so good. David really liked the sriracha flavor the best, and my mom really liked the sea salt flavor, just to highlight how many really cool flavors they have. And my mom actually ordered them in that moment to be shipped to her house in North Carolina, just as a testament of how tasty they are. I actually found them, the Bada Bean Bada Boom bean snacks, on my own when I was at Aldi in that special section. So they aren't there anymore, but I bought them and was so surprised about how good the flavors were. My favorite flavor is the sweet onion and mustard. They remind me of those like honey mustard, honey mustard pretzels that you would get as a kid at like friends parties and stuff and then like just never have them regularly. I showed them on a grocery haul and Bada Bean Bada Boom reached out to me to give y'all a discount code. So you can order them online now at www.badabeansnacks.com slash the millennial nutritionist and make sure to use the code the millennial nutritionist and make sure to spell it right. We'll put it in the um, show notes um, and put in the millennial nutritionist code at checkout to receive 15% off. Make sure you order them online because I really can't find them in any other stores now that they're gone off of Aldi. Um, but order them and stop letting busyness be the excuse as to why you're not eating enough produce. Well, our article for today, so we always try to pick like a pop culture article and I was kind of struggling at first. Like there was something I was like, oh, I feel like there's so much on TikTok with like hustle culture, but I, I couldn't find a, like an article that like condensed it down. And then I was like, oh, I remember the crazy like Mark Wahlberg, like daily routine. And I know sometimes you talk about daily routine. So I kind of want to get your two cents on that. So the article I found was a little older, but I do see it pop up on TikTok every now and then where people are still commenting on his crazy daily routine. So the article is from 
Insider, and we'll link it in the show notes, but it's titled Mark Wahlberg's routine isn't extreme isn't as extreme as it used to be. Now he sleeps in until 3:30 a.m. So if you don't know, like the old routine, I feel like people always used to joke because he like gets up at 2:30 a.m. He does prayer time, breakfast, workout, he does all this intermittent fasting, he like has like specific times that he like has with his family. And then I guess he's like updated that he like now wakes up a little bit later, um, but then still has like all this like going to bed at 730. But I wanted to see like what your initial thoughts were on like a routine this strict. My initial thoughts were that I could not use this routine. (laughs) (laughs) This is really strict. It definitely speaks to the lifestyle of celebrities being very different than the average person because there's so much time in this routine. Like it's long in terms of number of hours. He's getting up at 3.30 and his morning routine is going all the way through to, I think, 10 or 11 a.m. before he gets into his day and starts taking calls. So I think it's great that he has a routine and if it works for him, that's awesome. It's probably not the most duplicatable routine that we've seen out there. It has some of the elements of a really good morning routine though. So I think the key with things like this is to take inspiration from the fact that he has a morning routine and some of the elements within the morning routine, like exercise, like prayer time in his case, rather than to look at how we duplicate that ourselves because it is so long and it is so early. I am not going to get up at 2.30. His adjusted routine is to get up at 3.30. That's like, that's a late bedtime. That's not, that's not morning in my books. Lord, I know. And it's like, sometimes I see that joke where it's like, why can't you just like shift that a little later in the day? It's like, could we just get all the same things done? It's like, I don't know, maybe he has like some reason he likes doing. I know some people like to get up with no distractions, but yeah, I want to ask like, could a routine like this help or hurt somebody? Is your answer to the same to kind of what you just said? I think that having a routine can help. It's a matter of establishing a routine that works for you. And when people are, if they're dealing with things like burnout or overwhelm, having a routine of this magnitude would be really difficult to put into place where it is multiple hours because then the routine itself becomes a source of stress and overwhelm and it's really hard to sustain. So putting in routines is good, but especially for people who are really busy, We want to start smaller than that. When I look at routines for myself and the routines that I share with my clients and also have a little ebook for now, actually, that people can download, I use a format I call the rest and recharge routine. You've seen it on TikTok. And the idea is to have core steps that are based on the science of stress management and neuroscience but that are really flexible. And I set it up that way because for people who are really busy, I find their schedule is often unpredictable. Not every day looks the same and your energy levels are not always the same either. So by having a routine that has some flexibility in it, that means that you don't have to skip it. You can just make it smaller or make it bigger or make it different. If one of your parts of your routine doesn't work one day because you can't get to the gym or something like that. So for myself, the elements of the routine and the one that I share are stress relief, work recovery, responsibility, and recharge. So stress relief is anything that allows you to relieve stress and tension from your body. That could be exercise. It could be journaling. It could be talking to a friend. 
It could even just be scribbling. Like we don't have to get all fancy with bullet journaling. We can, but scribbling for a few minutes to let some tension out works just as well. And relieving stress from the body only takes a few minutes. So you can just journal for five minutes. You could exercise for 10. Or if you have time available, you can do more of any of those things. For recovery, that basically refers to protecting your resources for yourself. So according to the research, work recovery experiences include taking control of your time, being detached from work, relaxation, uh, and mastery, which is basically your hobbies and things you do for fun. So every day before and after work, I like to think about which one of those recovery experiences I want to prioritize. Do I need to help myself detach from work more, which might mean that I have to shut down my phone for a little bit so that I can fully get off of my social media accounts? Do I want to pursue mastery, some hobbies and growth outside of work? So maybe I'll go to a dance class or work on an art project. Responsibility is just taking care of little things around the house or in your personal life that will make life a little bit easier for future you. So it's not cleaning your whole house. That's a question I get sometimes. People are like, well, I don't want to come home from work or I don't want to start my morning doing chores for like two hours. That's not it. It's just one or two things that make your space easier to be in. So maybe you take down the garbage, you mail that letter that has been on your counter for two weeks because we're millennials and I don't even remember where stamps go sometimes, or maybe you just tidy up your kitchen. And then recharge is anything that you just enjoy doing and that relaxes you. So if we look at Mark Wahlberg's routine, he has all of those elements in there in different ways, not with that kind of structure, but he's got exercise, which is an amazing way to relieve stress. He has prayer, meditation, which is very relaxing, a great form of recovery, protecting your resources. He's staying detached from work for a very long time. He's taking care of some different responsibilities in his life. I don't know what he enjoys to do in that or if it's just a really rigorous morning routine for him, but he's got enough of the elements that I would suggest having there. He just has them in a huge amount of time and dedication to them. But to have a good routine from a health perspective, that amount of time isn't necessary. I feel that having something to relieve stress, something to help you replenish your resources and taking care of a little bit of responsibility in your life. Those are the elements of a great morning routine or a great post-work routine. Gotcha. Okay. So I feel like I'm getting from that is like we don't need to just like have a rigid routine just to have a rigid routine. It doesn't need to be like an hour of this, an hour of that. But if we kind of think about those like four highlights that you're saying that that's kind of should be like a goal for some sort of like pre or post-work routine. Is that right? Yeah, that's how I approach it. And I like doing it that way because then it can flex. So I am usually pretty good about sticking to a workday schedule, but I am self-employed and I'm doing a PhD. So once in a while I work really late, it happens. But by having some flexibility and focusing on the elements of my routine rather than the exact timing and the exact activities, it means that I can do a 15 minute version if I happened to work late one night. So I have a version of it that I think I posted on TikTok where I had had a later night And so to relieve stress, I just scribbled for a few minutes. 
I got off my phone. I lit a candle to help me detach from work, a nice relaxing scent. I just quickly tidied my kitchen five minute, like wiped down the counter, put the dishes in the sink and took a few minutes to read before bed. So it's like a 15, 20 minute version of my usual post-work routine. But on a more typical night for me, I will go for a walk for half an hour. I'll tidy my desk and the kitchen. I'll turn off notifications, change into some comfy clothes after work to help me detach from work. I might engage in some hobbies and my post-work routine might be an hour to an hour and a half before I then go on to enjoying the rest of my evening. And I use the same, the morning is a bit more consistent, I find. And I think that's why people like Mark Wahlberg have really rigorous morning routines. And that's why people like to get up early because there often are less interruptions. Mm -hmm. But by having some flexibility, it means that even if there are, we can focus on the elements and what we need to take care of ourselves, not a structure that is so rigid that it's really easy to fall off of. Can we kind of start from the top and tell us like what is a neuroscience approach to workplace burnout? So taking a neuroscience approach to workplace burnout means that you are working with your brain. So the brain has a finite capacity for attention, focus, and for productivity. The average person can pay attention and be really focused on their work for about 42 to 90 minutes at a time, for example. And most people can only really be productive, like highly focused productivity for about four hours a day. And there's also some acknowledgement that hard work has to go with rest and recovery for our best ideas and our best selves and our best creativity to come into place. So in all of the workshops and training that I do, I start with looking at what the brain typically has capacity for. And then look at how we can structure the workday, our day, and our approach to self-care and stress management to be as much in alignment with that as possible. Okay. And then what actually is workplace burnout? Just so we know what we're actually talking about here. Yeah, fair question. So workplace burnout is defined by the World Health Organization as an occupational phenomenon resulting from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. And when you become burnt out, it looks like exhaustion, becoming really overly tired, like a good night's sleep doesn't do it. You're still exhausted the next day, becoming really cynical, really pessimistic, withdrawing from other people and losing your sense of accomplishment at work. So you may start to feel like you're not good enough, like the work you're producing isn't good enough. Dang, I feel like that's everybody I know. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. It's good. It's good. We know we can come to some solutions. Um, and, and like, how can it look different from person to person? Or did you just kind of like speak to that? Those are three dimensions are exhaustion, cynicism, and reduced professional efficacy. So those dimensions are pretty consistent, but they can manifest really differently in different people. So, which is partly personality. It's also partly people approaches to work. Some people are really good at hiding their burnout, especially really type A perfectionist professionals who want to appear a certain way at work. They may hide the signs that they are experiencing. So you may or may not know when someone else is burnt out. If someone kind of naturally has a more cynical personality, again, you may or may not know if they're tending towards cynicism. 
And the symptoms, the signs will always show up differently in different people. So for one person, exhaustion might look like sleep disruptions. For another person, it might look like this constant headache that they can't shake. Okay. And then what if somebody has workplace burnout and like doesn't do anything about it? How can this impact their health? Yeah. So chronically, workplace burnout can have a lot of health risks associated with it, ranging from cardiac health issues to mental health issues like depression. That is a pretty long-term consequence. So to any listeners who are currently burnt out, don't panic. There are things you can do to recover, but if you stay in a state of burnout long-term, then ultimately that's just putting a lot of strain on the body and that will manifest as physical and mental health issues. How can we enjoy work, but also have like health and like health habits. So because I feel like I guess most of the people I work with do end up having it seems like work burnout or a lot of times we're just talking about like how to put good barriers between work and like their health habits. So what can that I guess like balance kind of look like? One of the great things about looking at it from a neuroscience perspective is that neuroscience tells us that the brain and the work that we do as a result is so much more effective, productive and creative when we have taken care of ourself and our well-being. So it's a very counterintuitive and scary switch at first because it feels like you need to put in more time and you need to work harder to succeed at work. But the reality is that slowing down and prioritizing life outside of work and health will typically make people better at their jobs, more focused, more energetic, more creative. And we see this in the research. When people have vacations and opportunities to really fully detach from work, they're more engaged, their well-being is better, their performance is better. There's also a network in your brain called the default mode network. So when you are not focused on tasks and you allow your mind to wander, this network becomes active and it's associated with creativity, problem solving for things that you've been working on, future planning, ideation about your own life. So part of being successful in our work is putting in the time and working hard and getting things done. But another part of it is getting outside of work, enjoying our lives, allowing our mind to wander, make connections, consolidate what we've been doing, and allowing ourselves to recharge so that we can go back and have a productive approach to work when we're there. How can we do it? We start with well-being. We look at How do I put myself and my well-being first? Because if you are taking care of yourself, the work follows. Okay. Yeah. It's crazy because that's kind of reminding me how we also talk a lot about exercise. Like a lot of times I'm telling people like those rest days are equally as important as the work days. Exactly. It's funny you say that. I just gave a TEDx talk in April on stress relief, which will be coming out on YouTube any day now. And I use exercise as a metaphor. Oh, no way. Yeah, for why you need to take breaks, even if you love your work. I think I say, um, you know, if you hate running, it's pretty easy for me to convince you that you need opportunities to recover. But even if you love running, you need opportunities to recover. And the same is true for work. It's not just, oh, I hate my job, so I need breaks. It's also, if you love your job, you need breaks. You need opportunities to recover and take care of your mental health, your brain, your physical health. 
Okay. Okay. And so what about, I want to kind of go through some, some specific scenarios that I see a lot with people that might have like a more challenging time with creating work-life balance, because much like nutrition, a lot of times we say these tips and it's like great in an ideal environment, but for some people's jobs, I'm like, I don't know how this would work. So I wanted to brainstorm with you. So what about for somebody who does like a traveling job? Do you ever have any recommendations for what that can look like for work-life balance or reducing burnout? So I think first and foremost, with traveling, you need to get a little bit creative with schedules. Mm. Trying to follow advice for the traditional nine to five is not going to be very conducive because you've got those travel days where you're on the road, which kind of are these big lumps of work. As someone who travels for work, sometimes myself, it can be like a five day stretch where you don't get to be home. You don't get to do the things that you typically would do, but you're also like not really working. Sometimes you're just kind of like in this, this yeah. in between. So one of the things I love about the rest and recharge routine format that I mentioned earlier is I find it works really well for that, for being flexible for while traveling. So I still use that when I'm on the road. I just have to think a little bit differently about what it's going to look like. And then considering the schedule, sometimes I need to look through my calendar and say, okay, just because you have only a couple of meetings or you were only at an event for maybe three hours on a trip that I was on, there's still these other days that were kind of lost to travel. And those are still part of work hours. They might not be as demanding as much productivity from you. So I think with travel, that's one of the biggest things is taking a look at the schedule and looking at how much time are you really spending on the road. And if there's any opportunity to deviate from the traditional nine to five, that's okay. It makes total sense that if you travel for a conference for three days over a weekend, you're not going to then feel like going to work Monday Mm -hmm. to Friday, nine to five. Maybe you do some half days or you leave early or something like that so that you are making some time for yourself when you're home. Okay. And then what about somebody working from home? Um, mostly asking for a friend, AKA me. <laughs> so like, <laughs> what does that look like? Cause I find the transition, I didn't think it would be so challenging. Cause it sounds like working from home would be like wonderful, but then it just seems like the days are just all the same and they all mush together. And it's so hard to create that difference. What would you say for somebody like that? For people who work from home, creating differences and contrast between when you're working and when you're not is really important. So anything that you can do to create sensory cues around a work environment versus personal time is going to help with this. Mm -hmm. So I like to go through like all of your senses, what you see, what you're smelling, tasting, hearing, even what you're feeling on your body with the form of your clothes. So having things like a dedicated workspace that when you see it, when you are physically sat there, that is where you are working. Maybe you change up the lighting. I currently have three lamps on. I've got like the bright ring lights. I turn those off when I'm not working. So I don't have really bright Mm. light in my space. I only light candles when I'm not working so that those relaxing scents are part of my personal time. I change out of work clothes and into comfier clothes at the end of the day. When you go to an office, you have a lot of contrast between your office space and your home. So, and all of that is coming into your brain in the form of sensory input, what you see, what you smell, what you hear. So anything you can do to create more contrast, is going to help signal to your brain when you're at work versus when you are on your personal time. 
Mm-hmm. Once you've done that, anything you can do to implement your own transition will help immensely. Maybe you just go for a walk for 10 minutes. Uh, maybe you finish your day by jotting down some notes about your day to kind of put that out of your brain so you can detach a little bit better. Maybe you go to the gym. It doesn't have to be huge, but anything that allows you to create a transition rather than going straight from the big screen to the little screen on your couch and scrolling is going to help create that sense of moving from your work to your personal time. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Some things I have done because I'm like a very anti-woo-woo person, but I feel like it really does help. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that does really help. Like literally just turning off my computer helps so much. I don't know something about like the act of like it's done, like making a list of what I need to do for the next day. I have seen your video and I have like tried to change clothes, which really helps. I try to wear like shoes into my office and then like not like take my shoes off. And then sometimes I'll just like, yeah, try to go on a walk around the block. Um, Do all those pass the test. (laughs) Yeah, those all pass the test. Absolutely. Okay. It can also be, it can also take some time to just train your brain on those things. So part of it is being a little bit rigid with yourself about work thoughts and going back to work afterwards, because sometimes people will say, well, I'm doing all these things. But then, you know, if you dive a little bit deeper, they're like, yeah, but I'm also like working on problems in my head or making lists for the next day. And your brain is going to throw out all kinds of different thoughts that you can grab onto. You don't have to grab onto every single one. So it is partly also a matter of saying, okay, that's a thought about work. I'm not at work right now. I have gone on my walk. I have changed into my comfy clothes. These don't go together. This is my time. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. That is very helpful. Um, The next question I kind of had was, um, I think I took this from one of your videos, like what is pushing through versus like putting stress really first really look like? Yeah. So the idea with with that is that having opportunities to take breaks and relieve stress can help us work more effectively. So when we have a hard project in front of us or a lot of work that needs to get done, the inclination is often to push through and put work first. Mm -hmm. But what happens in your brain and the energy of your body is that pushing through when you're exhausted, really stressed out or really overwhelmed is kind of like biking with a flat tire you're going to go somewhere, you're going to move, but you are going to be working 10 times as hard to go half as fast. You are putting pressure down on the pedals, but because there's no air in that tire, you're putting out all of this effort and you don't get the same return as you would if you took a moment to stop, take a break and relieve stress first. When you are in a state of stress, particularly when you're really overwhelmed, it becomes more difficult to focus. It's harder to pay attention and your body will get less oxygen to your brain. So it's harder to work. So it's, it's back to that kind of counterintuitive explanation that we talked about earlier, sometimes stopping and taking a moment to relieve some tension from your body, make sure that you're not stressed anymore, and then go back to whatever it is that you're working on can actually be a lot more effective and feels way better. I wanted to kind of run through this case study too, because uh, just to like get your two cents on it. So um, I'm going to run through a situation that I see often. So the situation is my client is wanting to increase healthy habits and lose weight, but they are going through a busy season at work. She is a CPA for a major firm because I just got through all my CPA clients because it was tax season. She feels like she um, doesn't have time for a lunch break, which causes her to snack 
through lunch and then overeats at dinner. She is too mentally exhausted to exercise. On the weekends, she is constantly busy out of town and doesn't have time to go to the grocery store or prep those healthy items, which again doesn't help her to have that quick lunch option if she were able to take like even a 10-minute break. She realizes that work is too demanding, so she quits her efforts on trying to lose weight and devotes herself to work instead. What would you say to this person? Like, what are some solutions you think they could implement? Yeah. So listening to this, there are three things that came to mind for this person. The first is a mindset shift around no time for lunch. And this speaks to what we've been talking about this whole episode of like putting your health first can actually be better for your work because if you're trying to work when you're stressed and exhausted. It's so ineffective. It's so tiring that you're really just depleting yourself more and the work will end up taking longer and feeling more difficult because your body and your brain are not in a state to deal with it. So this idea of like not having time for lunch breaks, when I hear that, I hear, wow, this person really doesn't have time to not take a lunch break. Mm -hmm. Like they need a break, even if it's short, even if we say it's going to be 20 or 30 minutes instead of an hour long lunch break take 20 minutes, eat your food mindfully, let your brain have a moment to stop doing the work because having that break means that after you've had a break, after you've had a chance to relieve stress a little bit and fuel your body, work is going to be that little bit easier so that that 20 minutes of a lunch break is not time lost. It's going to come back in the form of work being easier and your productivity being a little bit higher. The second thing is about the exercise, make exercise smaller. Mm. Like we talked about earlier with the routine, like Mark Wahlberg has this huge amount of exercise that he's doing. I think it was like three hours. I'm jealous of how many Oreo cookies that man gets to eat. (laughs) Oh my gosh, he's burning up everything. But exercise does not have to be a huge time-consuming production. I think our society often makes it feel like it does, especially because as soon as your phone like overhears you saying you want to exercise, you get targeted with just this barrage of all of these different programs you could be going on. But exercise could be doing 10 squats, 10 push-ups, and 10 jumping jacks, which is going to take you two minutes, gets your heart rate up. That might that might be your exercise. It might be putting on your favorite song and having a little dance party in your kitchen before you go to work in the morning. It's still exercise. And then when it's available to you, you can do more. Mm-hmm. But I think the trick with this is to treat exercise like a sliding scale. We can do a three-minute dance party, or we can do a one-hour workout, or we can do a three-hour bike ride. All of those are exercise, and all of those even if it's just three minutes, are better than not exercising. Gotcha. So it's that like something is better than nothing mentality. Absolutely. Third thing for this person is to think about what they can outsource. So she's talking about like going to the grocery store, prepping healthy meal items, grocery delivery service. It's something I started doing in the fall. I have a subscription. The service I use is called Voila. I think it's Canadian. Mm. So if there happen to be any other Canadians listening, and I believe I pay $10 a month for this pass. That means that my groceries can get delivered right to my door, regular grocery prices after that. And there's a lot of services like that popping up. I know that some people really like to pick out their own fruits and vegetables. There's nervousness around that, but you end up eating 
Uber Eats and fast food if you don't. So like an unripe banana is just not the worst thing (laughs) that's going to happen. There's also all kinds of different meal prep services available that have healthy options in them. We have several in Canada. You can select like a health check option or you can get more carbs or you can get more meat. Like there's different, there's different ones. So I think anything that this person could think of to outsource some of that, whether it is delivery or the meal itself. And within that too, just make food easy. My favorite lunch when I'm really busy is just slices of cheese and like slices of cucumber and tomatoes and fruit. Like you don't need to make a meal, just like put food on the plate. And if it's good food, it's the same nutritional value. It's not impressive. Sure but it's good for you and you feel better for it. Yes, for sure. Yeah. I'm always telling clients, you know, you can just put a bunch of snacks together as a meal. And that's totally better than just Absolutely. like not doing anything. If you really want to feel good about it, just like buy a wooden board and then you can call it charcuterie. <laughs> now you're fancy and sophisticated rather than burnt out and exhausted. It works. There you go. There you go. Um, well, this is all so good. So this is all great information. I feel like we could have like gone on and on. But um, can you tell us like one to two actionable tips that a listener should take away from all of this information that you think they should be doing like starting this week? So based on us talking about routines a lot in this, I would say that's a great place to start. And it doesn't have to be big like we've talked about. If you just include one thing before work and after work that helps you to relieve stress, for example, that can be a huge really immediate impact on your energy levels and your stress levels. So even if it's just a five minute routine that you want to put into place to say, I'm going to do jumping jacks before work and I'm going to journal or scribble after work, putting something in place to relieve stress so that it's an active practice and part of your day is a a great place to start. And for anybody who is currently not taking their lunch breaks, that is another very actionable one I would recommend. Consider it, even if it's short, take your lunch break. That time is going to come back to you in the form of your energy, your health, your vitality, and your productivity in other ways. Yes. Yes. I'm glad we're on the same page because I tell clients the same thing, but it's you know, going to help you so much if you just invest that time. Um, well, this is all really helpful. Where can people find you or like, where can they work with you? Cause I know I will for sure be bringing you up and with some specific clients that I work with. Absolutely. So I am on TikTok and Instagram as workplace clarity. That's the name of my business. You can also find me on LinkedIn using my full name, Nina Nesdoli, N-E-S-D-O-L-Y. In terms of working with me, I primarily, as I mentioned, work with organizations. So I offer a workshop series and training programs for organizations. So if anyone listening is thinking, well, you know, it'd be nice to take my lunch break, but it's really the workplace culture. Mm. Bring me in. I'll help you out. We'll get everybody on board taking their breaks, managing the workload. It's always easier when the whole team is in on it. So information about that can be found on my website and you can book a Zoom call with me to chat more. I also offer uh, different services for individuals, primarily workshops and a membership. So sometimes I will just open up a workshop for public enrollment because not everyone works in an organization that will invest in their employees' well-being. So sometimes I just like to open them up and I always announce those on TikTok and Instagram if I do. And I also have a membership available, which is on the back end of those courses and those workshops. So people who have gone through those those are another way to stay in the loop, receive 
weekly prompts and activities of things you can do to improve your work-life balance. Great. I feel I'm glad that you're out here doing this work. It's not something that I feel like I hear too much of, but I feel like it really is the demise of so many people. So thank you for uh, all that you do for everybody. And thank you, especially for joining us today, Nina. Thank you so much for having me. It's been lovely talking to you. Thank you so much for listening to the Millennial Nutritionist podcast. For daily weight loss tips and nutrition information, you can find us on Instagram at the.millennial.nutritionist and on TikTok at millennial.nutritionist. If you find this information helpful, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend who needs encouragement on their health journey. See you in the next episode.